remember, you gotta do a funny one or it's not good. It doesn't count. I'm not doing a funny one. I never do. No, you have to. It's the rule. We voted when you weren't here. Buddy. The audience voted for it. Tell him to shut up. <laughs> yeah, so we both voted no, but since yeah, the audience <laughs> Guess what? In this case, mine overrules everyone. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Stories, a Stark Friends podcast where we pick a theme and each tell a story. At the end, you get to vote with us to pick the best story, or you just get to vote, not even with us, to pick the best story. Vote in now. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, continuing on. Whoever gets the most votes gets to pick the next theme. Our current theme is war. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. (laughs) (laughs) This is Hannah, and I'm introducing Buddy, and Buddy is going to talk about fire. That's all I remember. Okay, I don't remember what it's called. It's called. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Fugo. Fugo. It is spelled F-U hyphen G-O. But is it Fugo. perhaps Fugo? No, it's Fugo. I was joking because remember our conversation oh, Funko? about Funko? <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Okay, so we're fans of Funko Pop characters. We buy each other Funko Pop but characters for Christmas every year. But are we fans of Funko Pop? Right, but we just realized today that like we've never actually like heard it said. So like for all we know, we're pronouncing it wrong, and it should be How Funko do you say Pop. It, Noah, it's Funko. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> yeah, dog, it's Funk. <laughs> that sounds so stupid. It sounds so stupid. Funko's way better. We say Funko. All right, we're gonna have to like Tobias Funke. <laughs> we're gonna have to start like a hashtag so Fugo. buddy's gonna give his story about fuggo he doesn't know how to say anything this is fugo i know this fuggo <laughs> at least we know what's going in the recap <laughs> <laughs> okay the year oh god is world I'm war ii ex- what it's not the year <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it happened over a few years, but it was 40, 1944 to 1945. Uh, I don't know exactly. It, this is such a... I don't want to butcher this. It's such a good story. Okay, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know, but in 1944, we were at war. Yeah, uh, you already said so, that. Some people were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, the like world the world. It's a no, no, world no, there war. were people that weren't. Penguins? The world. Um, okay, so... The World War II is going on, and Japan is, as everyone is, is trying to think of new ways to kill each other, basically, right? It's this, like, horrible, terrible thing. Probably not kill each other, but kill others. Well, yeah, but, you know, kill the it other just made side. It, you oh, made yeah. it sound like Japanese people <laughs> they were trying were to find ways to kill Japanese people. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. They were trying <laughs> to find a way to, to kill more allies, right? I did hear a funny story in my research about Austrians killing Austrians. All right. <laughs> We'll come back to it another time. <laughs> <laughs> this is, is this one of your weird dark sense of humor kind of things? Like you're like Santa died in front of school kids and it's hilarious kind of thing? Because what you, what you so. just said was that Austrians were killing Austrians and it was hilarious. No, it is very funny. <laughs> Are you sure it's not know. the Australians killing the emus? I just struggled to believe it. So Austrians, they were in a war against the Turks and one group got drunk and then they wouldn't share any alcohol with the other group and then something happened and everyone was drunk and someone shot and they all thought the Turks were there and Austrians started shooting on each other Ugh. in their own camp. I do not understand your brain sometimes. <laughs> that is tragic. commander had to wake up and be like what's going on and then the turks came the 
next day, and there were like 10,000 soldiers dead. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> In my defense. <laughs> no. This is really funny. Was that your defense? I just feel bad that I took over your story. You can cut that out if you need to. That's why you feel bad? (laughs) Yes. I didn't shoot the Austrians. No, they They did. Um, (laughs) Okay, so. The Turks were like, they've done it for us. (laughs) Um, But you're not laughing. Neither are most of our listeners, because you're talking about a tragedy. But, like, a hilarious one. But, like, the one that's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Like Shakespeare. Okay. Back to Fugo. Sorry. It's okay. I mean, it was was a good little bit, and I asked you to do it, so, like, we're... You know, the debate on how you pronounce uh, Funko is about the the cuh sound, not the un. People are saying it's either... People are saying it's fun-o? Fun-co or funk-o. No one is saying fun-co. Correction. Are they saying Two Funko? people are saying Funko. You, you <laughs> yeah. Fun- yeah. Are they saying Funko or, or Funko? Funko? <laughs> That's the question. This is great. Let's not even tell a story. <laughs> My episode is going to be 45 minutes long and people are going to be like, what? Is this, is this Avatar Weekly or what? We're going to learn Friends all about Funko. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All things, stories, one episode at a time. One okay. episode at a time. So 1944. So, 1944 and into 1945, the Japanese are trying to find new ways to to kill the Allies, and specifically, they're trying to think of ways to target the United States, right? And mm-hmm. in uh, 1944, in World War II, there is no intercontinental weapon. That is to say, you cannot fire a weapon from uh, Europe and use it to attack America, right? That didn't exist. In World War Two, when did it exist? Um, uh, like not, is it just missile? Yeah, inter- nowadays it's inter- I mean, intercontinental missiles. That was right, Iowa? which by is sixties. That was a threat. So okay. like, which oh, is yeah. yeah, one of the reasons that like when we dropped the um, the atom bomb, we had to like fly it over there, and the guys that flew it over there like ba- barely made it out alive because like they were near the That's massive terrifying. blast. That, yeah, wow. they had to outrun it. Did. Did they know that was? Well, they happen? actually they actually had they, to outfly it. Good call. Uh, yeah, they they were aware <laughs> and they were like, I, I've I've heard interviews with the guys that actually flew it and they were like saying things like, we were pretty sure we could make it out. <laughs> it's like, oh my what? Gosh. <laughs> That's crazy! Wow. Um. Anyway, so uh, there's no way to launch weapon you have to basically you have to take a submarine to within a few you know a few miles or a few dozen miles off the coast and then a gray launch submarine a gray submarine probably a uh, yellow one or a yellow submarine no gray and then you would launch the missiles from there or you would take a boat you know like a like a battleship and you would park that a few miles off the coast and la- start launching things from there um okay but japan in the 1940s had some meteorologists that were discovering that there was an air current high at high altitudes above Japan uh, that, that carries ha- water to America. An air current that high. carries air to America. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and 
what was interesting about this really this this air current very high above uh, high altitudes above Japan was that it moved remarkably fast. Nowadays, we recognize this as a, almost global as a global phenomenon. We call it the jet stream. And if you get high enough, there is a section of the atmosphere um, that moves very, very, very quickly. Daddy put science in this. And so, yeah, I did. And so, uh, what Japan decides to do, they start testing basically the weather balloons. But these, they, they want to see if they can get a weather balloon up into the jet stream and get the jet stream to carry that weather balloon all the way across the Pacific mm -hmm. uh, into uh, the United States, mm -hmm. right? Sure. And sure. it turns out they can, they manage to do this. It takes three days. The balloon cool. just gets up in the air and it drifts along and it takes three days to cross the Pacific. How do they know that? Well, so they put some, um, uh, on some initial tests, they put some like sonar um, trackers on them. To okay. see how long it would take. And so then... I just, like, imagine a man standing in <coughs> California like, I see it! <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, calling Japan and be like, we got it. You guys are going to bomb us. <laughs> but this is... It turns out to be a, uh, a, a tricky thing because in the daytime... Because, again, because it takes three days, the balloon is up for three days and it. also three nights. Uh, yes, you can't just see like it. Just like God. Sure. Uh, and... <laughs> if that the, helps. During the day... The sun shines down on it and heats the balloon, oh. which expands it, which causes it to have a lower density, which takes it up higher into the air. And then at nighttime, it cools off. The sun isn't shining on it. It contracts and it starts to sink back down. Shouldn't it kind of average out? It, well, it does, but it's hard to, it's not very predictable. The, it's, the speed isn't consistent because like mm -hmm. it's in the jet stream for a while, but then it goes above it. And then it carries mm. back down into the gesture, but then it goes below it. And it's very tough to get this perfect. Mm -hmm. So they set up, they rig a whole bunch of systems to this thing, uh, like timed explosives, uh, little, little timed explosive charges that drop ballast. They drop sandbags, right? Um, so that during the day, if it started to get too high, one of those charges... Uh, oh, no, there was a valve on the balloon. During the day, if it started to get too high, uh, a valve would release and let some air out of the balloon. And so it would drop back down. And then wow. at night, if it started to fall down, one of the charges, it, it, would, it had an altimeter to, to tell how high it was. If it went too low, one of the charges would blow and the, a sandbag would fall and it would start raising back up. so complicated. Right. So they were really trying to keep these things in the jet stream. This seems inefficient. Well, I, yeah, now it, by, by modern standards it does. But again, no one had any way. No, I'm shocked that they're not using it more often. Okay, so let's talk about what happened here. <laughs> they, they launched 9,000 of these things. <laughs> uh, and so, so far, uh, you talk about science. So far, we've had meteorology in this. Don't worry, the science isn't over. By the end, we're going to incorporate some geology, too. Oh, God. Okay, so we're excited about that. So, uh, these things... Um, how they, did you make war boring? They launch 9,000 of these things. And they, oh ex God. they expected 10% to actually land in the United States. That's how oh. unpredictable these things were. So, 90? So, 900. Oh. Or 9,900. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. So, 900, and, and they didn't think the United States was going to be like, what are these? Okay. Well, but that's, I mean, that's part of, so... Part of this, they, they attached different types of bombs to these things. Um, one of them uh, was an anti-personnel bomb. It was basically a very large, like, 30-pound grenade, more or less, um, which was the, the intent was to cause havoc wherever it landed. Um, the other bombs, there were two other kinds that both had incendiary uh, bombs on them with the intent of starting, like, forest fires and things in cool. the United States. That's 
bleak. <laughs> right. Uh, the, the, reading about the Fugo like makes you realize how sort of twisted we can get at wartime because I mean these things are pretty messed up because they're they're utterly uh, um, they're dumb they're dumb bombs right like in that they don't have targets. Like, you're just spamming an entire country. Yeah. Civil, civilians, like, it didn't matter. Which, like, makes sense. I mean, kind of. Yeah, it's but then we gave them the atom bomb. Right. So, like, I'm not saying we were any better. I'm saying, like, in World War II, like, we... Humanity mess. did yeah. some messed up stuff. Yep. Um, so, they launched 9,000 uh, of these <coughs> of these bombs with the hope that 10%, 900, would land in the United States. And who knows where the rest, you know, the other 8,000 go to. And Mars. modern... Modern... Uh, I don't know what you'd call them, historians, people who, who have researched this, agree that that's probably a pretty good estimate. Probably about 900 of them landed in the United States. We have found 300 of them. Oh, no. So Wait, I feel like I've heard this. Do the bombs haven't gone off? Presumably, there are still somewhere in the neighborhood of 600, in some cases, exploded, and they're just it's just the, the, rev, the refuse of, of an exploded bomb. And in other cases, unexploded fugo balloon bombs in our country just laying around um there have been incidents of these things being found um the first the only casualties um was uh, uh a pastor's wife and it was either five or six of her sunday school kids they were um uh hiking out into the woods for one of their sunday school lessons and one of the children happened upon it and kicked it, and it killed. Uh, f- well, if it was, f- it killed all but one of the children instantly. The wife, her husband, like ran in to see what was happening, and she passed away as he was like patting the fire out of her dress. Oh uh, gosh! Yeah, I mean it's it's awful. Um, and uh, so that was the only he kicked it. Yeah, I mean you know it's a kid. They, um, Wait, so one person survived. No, they survived. So it killed most of them instantly. Um, the oh. the father, the pastor, wasn't actually near. He had he would gone off to park oh, the car. Oh, okay. Um, and so uh, the so one child died later in the hospital. The wife died mm-hmm. shortly after the bomb went off. Um, other than that, no deaths have been reported. How? Exactly. How is that possible? Okay. So here's the thing. For one thing. Back then, and still uh, to a large extent today, but but definitely back then, most of the United States is not heavily populated. Um, and because these things are sort of aimless, you know, if it lands and goes off immediately in yeah. the open country of Wyoming, right. uh, then you just no one ever heard I of it. I just think, like, that's almost a thousand balloons. Like, that's crazy. It yeah. sounds like a lot. Yeah, it does. It's actually... 900 red luft balloons. I knew you were going to do it, and I loved it. (laughs) So when these things started coming down, uh, the United States military, the leaders, uh, understandably get a little concerned. They're trying to figure out where these things are coming from. Is this currently or back then? No, back then. Okay. They know Because, again... At the time, there was no way for a... Even for a balloon, because, again, our scientists hadn't found this jet stream. So... There was no understanding of how they could possibly have come all the way from Japan. Uh It didn't make sense because without the jet stream, it would take months for this balloon to drift across the Pacific. Uh, And so they thought that they had to have taken submarines uh, up to United States beaches and then launched them. Why couldn't they just have taken months? Well, because you uh, wouldn't have enough ballast. You couldn't keep it in the... like. It'd be too... too, um, chaotic to try and to try and manage it for, okay. for several months um 
Like who knows where the weather patterns would drift that balloon over that kind of time. Very true. Um, Very true. So the thought was that they had to take a submarine and basically get onto a United States beach somewhere when people weren't watching and launch them from there. And then they would just come down hours later. Right. Um, right. But they uh, and there were some other theories as well. But eventually they started. So the sandbags in some of the unexploded ones that were found. Oh, and also some reporters started to try and report on this and let people know that it was happening. As and some do. people. Right. <laughs> what, but there was. um the the military asked the news media at the time sp not to report on it to, and to bury the um, the fact that this was happening because they were afraid that oh, panic they, they were afraid if the public knew this would cause a panic which is exactly what Japan so Japan was wanting the damage but they were also wanting um, you know chaos. sort of cultural panic yeah exactly chaos uh, in the United Do you States think reporters nowadays would do that. I don't know. I wonder that myself. But so there was a blackout on this. And the two stories that had initially uh, planned to be printed were like... Although were it mixed. was wartime. And so like patriotism is like way yeah. higher during wartime. Yeah. And you can easily like link it to people's lives and stuff. Right. So I do wonder if, if we had a great war and we all felt like yeah. we're in it together. Right. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, but anyway, but... After the fact, after that one family uh, passed away or that one group of, of children passed away, um, they lifted that blackout ban because they thought if this is going to happen anyway. People should know not to kick them. Yeah, like the, that could have been avoided if people had been informed. So they, they, they put true. a stop to that. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, they. Uh, I feel bad now. The United States took the sandbags that had been found because they didn't eject all the ballast and they had geologists analyzed the sand inside the sandbag. They looked at diatoms, they looked at the mineral composition, those kinds of things. And they determined that they it couldn't have been from uh, a United States beach because none of our beaches matched that that makeup. In fact, they uh, they established that it had to be from a very specific region of Japan. And when they looked there, they, they put, took some aerial reconnaissance photos of the area they thought these must be coming from. And they found two hydrogen plants that were they were using to fill the balloons there. And they bombed the two hydrogen plants using <laughs> B-52 bombers. Uh, and that effectively put a stop to the, to the Fugo because it was uh, very expensive, you know, 9,000 balloons. They weren't really all that effective, generally speaking, at what they were trying to do. Um, yeah. And again, uh, other methods were being, were being developed. I just like still don't understand how more of them didn't go off. One particular, well, so some of them probably, again, probably did go off and like you just never knew about it because they went off with no one around. Um, there was one. I guess like especially population density was a lot lower in the 1940s than it is now. It was a good story. Hold on. I got one more. One more thing? Yeah, You're going to do thing. another story? You can't do that. An Tell the Austrian story. story. Um... <laughs> Where is it? Oh, it's up higher. There's one more thing that I wanted to talk about here. Uh, that the the particularly scary thing uh, for for me as I think about these things is that um, at the time Japan was also working on um, the deployment of biological weapons, like bombs that contained poisonous compounds and uh, viruses, like airborne viruses and things. Um, and so there was talk briefly about uh, attaching a bomb that would send off. Uh, cowpox viruses once it landed um, to infect the like the pub the entire public of the United States with this type of, of bomb uh, thing um, and the only reason it didn't uh, um, happen is because the emperor at the time um, refused to deploy biological weapons um, hmm. 
So uh, there was uh, one, uh, to me, moral individual who stopped some, some pretty tragic things um, mm. from, from happening. Also, I do... Uh, I almost did it again. Did you do it again? Almost. I also, I do want to point out something that was very touching to me is that, um, so we, uh, not surprisingly, we put up a memorial where that, uh, that group of individuals died uh, as a remembrance to, to what happened there. Um, like right exactly what happened, which is kind where of- Where was it? Uh, Port Angeles, Wash Port, yeah, Port Angeles, Washington. Um, it's, the monument is located- that makes sense. 69 miles northeast of Klamath Falls in the Mitchell Recreation Area. Okay. Um, so we did that, but what's what is touching to me is that several Japanese civilians have visited the monument to offer apologies and also plant several cherry trees um, as a monument and symbol of peace. That's cool. Which is yeah, which I thought was very nice. It's because they're a collectivist culture. Yeah, I know. I was thinking I, and I don't know this. I've never looked into it, but I, I when I read that, I wondered do if we have one for the atom bomb over here. Well, not just if we have an, a memorial, but if, if many Americans have visited there with the same sort of Apologies. mindset. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't even. Yeah, those seem I'd equal. I feel like I wouldn't go over there. No, I'm not saying that it is equal. I'm just saying no, that. I'm just kidding. That <laughs> I. Jokes. I know, but like, that's like a good point. I don't. That's what I said about the collectivist. I don't think it's common for people our age to think about the sins of the past and decisions we weren't involved in and feel bad about them maybe and that's why racism is still a thing. i was gonna say i think in some respects we are the the young people in the united states are i think we're getting better, better. about that than we used to be because yeah. specifically i was thinking about race and the fact that more of us are starting to recognize that yeah yeah that but i do think a lot of people still struggle with it which is why they have such a hard time with the idea of privilege sure and stuff like that sure hmm. All right, so there was a little hiccup there uh, in the middle as I fumble buttons, but uh, overall, uh, I think you get the idea of the story. So why is it called Fugo? So Fugo, um, I tomato, don't. Tomato, tomato. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, it's a, it's a Japanese word, um, and here's what I can say: the the Wikipedia article says a Fugo or fire balloon, and both mm. of those are in bold. So okay. part of me wonders if that's Japanese for fire balloon, but maybe if one of our listeners speaks Japanese, you could inform me better because that's just. Um, oh wait, it looks like Fusen Bakudan is uh, Japanese for balloon bomb, so that's hmm. similar. Um, but anyway, but yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly how they came came about, about that term, but. All right, uh, so that is all for my story. If you loved it, if you loved it. <laughs> don't vote yet wait until you hear noah's and hannah's glorious stories Thanks, and buddy. then vote for mine uh <laughs> and so next week uh we will be hearing from noah uh until then oh uh first of all reach out to us uh talk to us on twitter or facebook at stark friends send us an email email us stark friends podcasts at gmail.com please email us friends and podcasts is plural and as always, be careful where you take your cabbages. <laughs>